Blink and you missed it. We are at the end of the WPIAL football regular season. And with one week left, there is only a handful of spots remaining in the playoff picture. We're going to break that down along with recapping week eight in WPIAL football. Hi, everybody. This is Brendan Rossi for Pittsburgh Sports Now on this week eight recap edition of the Whippy Whip Around. And before we get into the recaps, first and foremost, the most imperative part right now is the playoff picture. Uh, Firstly, we have only a handful of spots left starting in Class 1A. There's 16 qualifiers. 15 teams have qualified. And, uh, well, the only conference that has not been set for the four qualifiers is the Black Hills Conference. Um, Black Hills qualifiers for now, Bishop Canavan, Burgerstown, and Fort Cherry have all clinched playoff spots. The final spot will be decided between Our Lady of the Sacred Heart and Cornell. The Chargers and the Raiders, they play each other this week in Week 9 action. Spoiler alert, that's my Black Hills Conference game of the week. But um, let's like take a look at the scenarios. There's a couple of scenarios. Uh, it involves Olsen Cornell and Burgettstown taking on Fort Cherry. So the scenario is, if Burgettstown defeats Fort Cherry and Olsh defeats Cornell, Olsh will get in as the three seed, and Fort Cherry gets in as the fourth. Now, if Burgettstown and Cornell win, there will be a three-way tie that will be broken by tiebreaker points. For reference, that will be between Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, Fort Cherry, and Cornell. The tiebreaker points, as of right now, Olsh has the most out of those three with 27. Fort Cherry has 20. Cornell has zero. Um, So by virtue, then, that would mean that Olsh gets in, and then head-to-head will decide the fourth-place spot between Fort Cherry and Cornell. If it came down to -to head-to-head, then Fort Cherry would get in, and Cornell would be the odd team out of the Black Hills Conference playoff spots. Looking at the other conferences, the Tri-County South has been decided. Mapletown is the conference champion, but there's a three-way tie for second right now between California, Carmichael's, and Manesson. If Manesson beats Beth Center, California beats Bentworth, and Carmichael's beats Jefferson Morgan, then we have still a three-way tie for second. Tiebreaker points will decide second place. Head-to-head will decide third place. So if it remains a three-way tie, at least as of today, Manesson would be the two-seed. Manesson has 26 tiebreaker points, California 22, Carmichael's 14. And then the 3-4 will be decided between the head-to-head, between Carmichael's and California. The Trojans would be the three, and Carmichael's would be the four. In the Eastern Conference... Conference title has not been decided quite yet. GCC is in the lead for the Centurions if they win their outright conference champions. However, if Leechburg wins, then it forces a tie. If Clareton wins and Leechburg wins, there's a three-way tie for the Eastern Conference. GCC plays Leechburg. Clareton takes on Jeanette. If GCC and Clareton wins, GCC is first. Clareton is second due to the head-to-head with Leechburg, who would be third, and Jeanette would be fourth. There could be a three-way tie once again for those playoff spots. They will be decided between tiebreaker points first and then head-to-head. And finally, in the Big 7 Conference, Laurel is the conference champion. They're the top seed regardless, um, even if there is a tie. But 
the only way that there could be a tie is if Laurel loses this week and if Southside were able to beat Rochester this week. If that were the case, if Southside beats Rochester, regardless, the playoff seedings from the Big 7 Conference will be set automatically. That would mean Southside is two, Union is automatically third, and Rochester is fourth. Now, if Laurel Union and Rochester all win, there will be a three-way tie for second place, and again, tiebreaker points, and then to head-to-head. In terms of tiebreaker points, Southside has the edge, and then it'll be the head-to-head between Union and Rochester, thus Union will be three, Rochester four. In Class 2A, there's 14 qualifiers and only one spot remaining out of the Allegheny Conference, that is. It's between Apollo Ridge and Amani Christian. The easiest road into the playoffs is Apollo Ridge. The Vikings are win and in, lose, and they have to rely on Amani Christian um, losing this week. For reference, Amani Christian plays Yawk on the road. Apollo Ridge this week is at Burl. So neither of those games really are gimmies at this point. So Apollo Ridge winning in, doesn't matter what Amani does. Amani must win or have Apollo Ridge lose to Burl. If Burl beats Apollo Ridge and Amani Christian beats Yawk, Burl is the four, Amani is the fifth. If Apollo Ridge and Amani both win, Amani is out because, like I mentioned, Apollo Ridge is winning in. Um, the Vikings would be fourth, Burl would be fifth. So if Apollo Ridge gets in, it would be the four seed uh, in the Allegheny Conference. Elsewhere in the Allegheny Conference, Steel Valley, Sarah Catholic, Ligonier Valley, and Burl have all clinched playoff berths. Steel Valley and Sarah Catholic will play for the top spot in the Allegheny Conference. And if Sarah wins, it shares the conference championship with Steel Valley. Ligonier Valley, regardless of what happens this week, is three no matter what. The Midwestern Conference, the top five seeds, Beaver Falls, Neshanik, Mohawk, Western Beaver, and Riverside are all in the playoffs. Biggest game this week is Neshanik and Mohawk. Those teams are battling for second place. The winner is second. The loser is third. There is a definite possibility, however, that Mohawk, Western Beaver, and Riverside could all tie for third place uh, with four and three records. If that's the case tiebreaker points would decide third place and then the head-to-head would decide fourth and fifth place respectively between mohawk western beaver and riverside mohawk has the most tiebreaker points with 26 western beaver and riverside would go with the head-to-head western beaver has the edge there and thus would get the higher seed in the century conference it's the simplest to digest still rocks is first no matter what keystone oaks is second mcguffey third wash high is fourth uh, the only game with seeding implications this week in the Century Conference, McGuffey and Wash High. The winner is third. The loser is fourth. Those two teams are tied for third in the Century Conference. Now moving to Class 3A, and just like the previous two classifications, there's only one spot remaining in Class 3A for the playoffs. It's out of the Western Hills Conference. Avonworth, West Mifflin, and South Park have all clinched playoff berths. Despite South Park being in a tie for third with Beaver and Beaver having more tiebreaker points, South Park, by virtue, is in the playoffs no matter what happens this week. Um, The scenarios here, the last playoff spot will go to either Beaver or Hopewell. Hopewell has the toughest road to get in, and the Vikings, they could potentially play spoiler and sneak their way into the playoffs. But essentially, this Beaver and Hopewell game Um, essentially for Beaver is winning in. 
Um, they play this week, Duke Beaver and Hopewell. West Mifflin and South Park also play this week. That'll decide another seeding spot. Now, if West Mifflin defeats South Park and Beaver defeats Hopewell, then the Titans are second, the Bobcats third, and the Eagles are fourth, as the tiebreaker standings would suggest right now. However, if West Mifflin wins and if Hopewell defeats Beaver, then there's a three-way tie for third place between Hopewell, South Park, and Beaver. That'll be broken by tiebreaker points and then the head-to-head. So far, Beaver has the advantage in tiebreaker points and then the head-to-head between South Park and Hopewell. South Park had that 35-0 win two weeks ago against Hopewell. So the Vikings... Playoff hopes, not looking good, but a lot can happen, and crazier things have happened around the WPIAL. Other conferences, not as complicated. First, the Allegheny Six, Freeport, East Allegheny, Shadyside Academy, and Deer Lakes are all in the playoffs. Freeport, the conference champion no matter what. Deer Lakes is fourth no matter what. The East Allegheny Shadyside Academy game this week will decide the second and the third place spot. The winner will get second. The loser will get third. And then the Interstate Conference, pretty cut and dry. Top four are playing each other. Bell Vernon and Elizabeth Ford for the conference championship. And Southmoreland Mount Pleasant will battle for third and fourth place spots. Now in Class 4, it's starting to get a little more complicated. There's two qualifying spots that are left. Firstly, the Parkway Conference is set in stone. It's Central Valley, Aliquippa, West Allegheny, Montour, and Blackhawk all getting into the playoffs. Blackhawk, no matter what, is the five seed coming out of the Parkway Conference. Central Valley plays Aliquippa for the conference championship. Montour and West Allegheny play for third place. Big 7 Conference also is set. McKeesport, Laurel Highlands, Thomas Jefferson, and Latrobe are all in the playoffs but there could be some rearranging to be done in the Big 7 Conference. McKeesport plays Thomas Jefferson, and if McKeesport wins, then the Tigers are first, Laurel Highlands would be second, Thomas Jefferson third, Latrobe is fourth. However, if Thomas Jefferson wins, and Laurel Highlands, by the way, plays Connellsville, assuming the Mustangs get the win, there will be a three-way tie for first place. Tiebreaker points will decide first, and then head-to-head decide second place. McKeesport would be first because of the tiebreakers. They have 50. And then the head-to-head, Lowell Highlands would get the edge over Thomas Jefferson. So, again, it's looking very likely that it's, that regardless of what happens, it'll be McKeesport 1, Lowell Highlands 2, TJ 3, and Latrobe 4. Those two playoff spots, as I mentioned earlier, uh, will be coming from the Greater Allegheny Conference. The only two teams that have qualified are the top two teams, Armstrong and Highlands. Armstrong is the conference champion no matter what. Highlands plays Hampton. North Catholic plays Mars. Those games will go a long way in deciding the final two playoff spots. Hampton, North Catholic, and Mars are all battling for those final two playoff spots. If Highlands defeats Hampton... And if North Catholic defeats Mars, the Golden Rams will be second. The Trojans will be third, leapfrogging Hampton, who would finish in fourth. If Highlands and Mars wins, then Mars, Hampton, North Catholic tie for the final two spots. Then, again, goes to tiebreaker points, which will decide the third-place spot, and then the head-to-head in the fourth-place spot. 
The leader in the tiebreaker points right now between Mars, Hampton, and North Catholic are the Talbots. They have 11, and then it would dwell down to the head-to-head between North Catholic and Mars. So, essentially for Mars, it's a must-win. The only way I see Mars getting into the playoffs is if it defeats North Catholic this week. Class 5A, uh, good luck. Um, There's three qualified spots set in stone. Five spots still have yet to be decided. Firstly, the easiest right now is the Big East Conference. Franklin Regional has clinched a share of the championship no matter what and will be the number one seed of the Big East Conference no matter what. Gateway will be second. Penn Trafford plays Franklin Regional this week. It's essentially a must-win for Penn Trafford. If the Warriors lose, they're out no matter what. So Penn Trafford, the only chance that it has is a win. And that's no small feat going up against Franklin Regional. The second most complicated is the Allegheny Six. Bethel Park is the conference champion and can finish first outright with a win this week against Peters Township. Now, if Bethel Park wins and if Upper St. Clair defeats South Fayette, those are the two games we'll be looking at on Friday, then USC would be second. Peters Township would be third and alive for a wild card spot. South Fayette would be eliminated. Some people say that South Fayette is eliminated, but technically that's not the case. Um, it's unlikely that South Fayette gets in, but there's still a glimmer of hope. Now, if Bethel Park wins and if South Fayette wins, second and third place will be decided by tiebreaker points and then the head to head competition. That'll be between South Fayette, Peters Township, and Upper St. Clair. If there is that tiebreaker decision, as of right now, Peters Township has the edge in tiebreaker points with 23. USC has 17. South Fayette has zero. And then the head-to-head between South Fayette and Upper St. Clair, if the Lions win, they're in. So do or die for the Lions. Northeast Conference, nobody has clinched. There's a three-way tie right now for first. One of those spots are going to go regardless to either Pine Richland or North Hills. They play, and the winner will get a playoff spot this week. If Penn Hills defeats Woodland Hills and Pine Richland defeats North Hills, then that means Penn Hills is the top seed, Pine Richland is second, North Hills would be third. That would be the easiest scenario. However, if Pine Richland wins against North Hills and Woodland Hills defeats Penn Hills, Pine Richland would be the one, Woodland Hills would be the second, and North Hills would be the three, Penn Hills would be out. The third place finisher from this conference, though, has a very good chance to get one of the wild card spots. So whoever finishes in third, not the end of the world, but of course, um, you want to get the one of those wild card spots. Class 6A, well, it's do or die for the final three spots. Uh, between Seneca Valley, Cannon Mac, Mount Lebanon. N.A. will play Seneca. Mount Lebanon plays Cannon Mac. Central Catholic and North Allegheny have clinched playoff spots. If N.A. and Mount Lebo win, then Mount Lebanon is second, Central Catholic third, Cannon Mac fourth, Seneca is out. If N.A. and Cannon Mac win, Central Catholic is second, Cannon Mac third, Seneca Valley fourth, Mount Lebanon is out. If Seneca and Mount Lebanon win, Seneca is second due to the Gardner points. Mount Lebanon is third. Central Catholic is fourth. 
and thus that would eliminate Cannon McMillan. And then if Seneca Valley and Cannon Mac win, Central is second, Cannon Mac third, Seneca fourth, the Blue Devils will be eliminated. You got all that? Good. <laughs> um, as you can see, it's uh, it's anyone's game at this point. Um, there's still a lot that can happen in Class 6A. It's the most competitive. It's the most talked about. And uh, it'll be a very entertaining race to watch at the end. All right, now time for the recaps. Firstly, in Class 1A, the Tri-County South Conference Championship was decided as Mapletown continues its undefeated streak, wins its first conference championship since 2005 with a 26-18 win over Manesson, but it wasn't easy. Uh, Landon Stevenson, he did run for 176 yards, even threw a touchdown. However, Mapletown had some issues with Manesson freshman Tyvon Kershaw. Watch out for him um, in the next four years. Kershaw ran for 238 yards, which I believe is the second most in the WPIL in Week 8. But uh, towards the end of the game, 26 seconds remaining, Mapletown recovered a fumble on Manesson attempting to tie the game, and the Maples secured the win in the conference championship. Um, what a story these Mapletown Maples have been. We knew they'd be good, but um, I don't know if anyone was suspecting Mapletown, at least on the outset, outside of Mapletown, were expecting the Maples to be uh, in the top of the conversation in Class 1A and in the Tri-County South. But the Maples are conference champions, so kudos to them. Elsewhere in the Tri-County South, California defeats Beth Center 43-14, Carmichael's over Bentworth 48-14, and West Green trumps Jefferson Morgan 32-22. In the Eastern Conference, Clareton defeats Frazier 49-7, but we'll take a look at the other games. Firstly, Jeanette defeats Springdale 35-7 to lock up a playoff spot after Noah Sanders and Peyton Moulter having two touchdowns apiece. And the game was really won in the second quarter when Jeanette scored 21 points and the Jayhawks cruising to a win over Springdale. And then Greensburg Central Catholic shutting out Riverview 48 to nothing. GCC only ran eight plays in the first half and applied the mercy rule. Um, the story of this one, Samir Crosby, the freshman, he had two touchdown receptions, two interceptions, one of which was a pick six, played quarterback in the second half, and had one of those unreal touchdown runs um, that you see on YouTube every once in a while. He really shined in GCC's win over Riverview, um, and the Centurions have a chance to clinch the Eastern Conference crown outright this week. In the Black Hills Conference, Burgettstown defeats Avella 45-14, but looking at the other games with playoff implications, Fort Cherry clinches with a 42-14 win over Carlinton. Uh, the Rangers with a steady ground game led by Ethan Folletto and Nathan Hyrent running for over 100 yards, and Fort Cherry back in the playoffs um, for the first time in quite a while. Chartiers, Houston, and Cornell. I expected this to be a close one, and, well, Cornell proved me wrong with a 52-7 win over the Buccaneers. Raquan Troutman, the big difference. He ran for four first-half touchdowns. The ground game dominated Chartiers, Houston, who never really got out of the gates, and Cornell ran away with a 52-7 win. 
In a rematch of last year's WPIL championship game, it was a similar result. Bishop Canavan blows out Olsh, this time via shutout, 40 to nothing, and a little bit of different circumstances in this one. Nehemiah Azim was injured during pregame, and Olsh really had to scramble for that quarterback option. When you have a team that passes the ball as efficiently as Our Lady of the Sacred Heart does, that for sure will throw off a game plan. Not to mention the backup QB, Van Kavals, was lost for the year early in the season due to a knee injury. Then you don't really have many other options. Um, They gave Dorian Tate the chance. Um, He's a skill position guy, but when you're moving from one position to quarterback with 15 minutes notice, you're not going to have the strongest game. Um, I don't care if you are an NFL athlete or some average Joe. It's going to be a tough go. Um, And now Olsh's next game, due to this, a must-win. The Big 7 Conference, Laurel annihilates Summit Academy 68-14. And speaking of annihilations, Rochester defeats Northgate 51-6. Antonio Lauer had 158 yards rushing with three touchdowns. Two more scores added by Duke Mullins and Dom Guido. Rochester clinches a playoff spot. Game of the week, Union and Southside got together, and the Rams established dominance and put Union right back in its place with a 35-8 win over the Scotties. The Rams led 28-0 at the half, and really the tone was set in the first quarter, um, which Southside forced a three and out and then embarked on a 20-play, 87-yard drive that culminated on the first play of the second quarter and Southside scoring 28 first-half points, all of which coming in the second quarter. Um, Whenever you can run the ball down the throat of a defense like that, that is a backbreaker um, for the opposition. And uh, that, that first drive, I think, really, really put a damper on things for Union and Southside cruise to the win. Now to Class 2A, the Midwestern Conference was littered with with playoff implication games. New Brighton falls to Riverside 52-7. The Panthers led 40 to nothing to clinch a playoff berth over the winless New Brighton Lions. Neshanik had some issues with Elwood City defensively, um, but the Lancers continued to cruise with a 40-21 win over Elwood City. Um, the Wolverines had Elijah Palmer McCain running for 222 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Elwood City offense. But on the other side of the coin, Matt Iannilli ran for 135 yards. Luciano DeLillo caught five catches for 83 yards. And quarterback Johnny Huff, 76 passing yards away from being a 1,000-yard passer and a 1,000-yard rusher. The last Nishanic quarterback to do that was Frank Antoano when he was the three-year starting quarterback from 2014 to 2016. And in 2016, Antolano's senior season, Nishanik made the WPIL Finals. Beaver Falls, off of the heels of a great defensive performance, defeats Freedom 28-8. The Tigers got two defensive touchdowns, a fumble recovery by Michael Blackshear and a pick six by Isaiah Ashbacher. Offensively, not too shabby as well. Bricks Raw ran for 134 yards. Quarterback Jaron Brickner threw for 136 His favorite receiver, Trey Singleton, caught five passes for 108 yards. Our game of the week was a stunner, though, possibly the stunner in Class 2A outside of another game, which we'll get to in a minute. 
Um, Mohawk defeats Western Beaver 22-8. to And the Warriors, um, they kind of threw the Midwestern Conference into disarray with that victory. Mohawk currently slotted for the three-seed in the Midwestern Conference, tied for third with Western Beaver, but of course the head-to-head would put Mohawk as the three. The Warriors really won the game in the second quarter with scores by Jimmy Guerrero and Justin Boston. In the Century Conference, Storrocks blows out Waynesburg Central 50-7, and in the other games, Brentwood ran away with the game at half over Charleroi, defeating the Cougars 34-14. Brentwood had first-half touchdowns two apiece by Daylon Drew and C.J. Fox. The Spartans led 27-7 at half against the Cougars, and Brentwood thought they were going to stay alive for a playoff berth, but due to the other games, Brentwood eliminated from playoff contention, and that was because Keystone Oaks, with a huge win over Washai, probably the win of the weekend uh, in terms of upsets, with a 35-21 win over Washai, Sean Reich scored four touchdowns in the upset win, and he ran for 203 yards for a Keystone Oaks team that has primarily passed the ball a lot. But they turn to the ground game, and it reaps the benefits. Reich wins the game almost single-handedly and stuns Wash High, who was, at the beginning of the season, a favorite to challenge Stowe Rocks for the Century Conference. And, well, it's Keystone Oaks surprising some people. They're the two-spot right now in the Century Conference. And then in the Allegheny, uh, Apollo Ridge with another big upset, this one coming in overtime against Sarah Catholic, knocking the Eagles from the undefeated ranks in conference play. 43-36, the Vikings get the win. Nick Kersey was dominant. And spoiler alert, he's my 2A player of the week. He ran for 338 yards and five touchdowns. We'll break that down more as we get into our players of the week at the end of the show. Other games, Steel Valley blows out Yawk 56-7. Ligonier Valley over Amani Christian 42-7. And Burrell defeats Derry 30-8. Now going to Class 3A. First, we start in the Western Hills with Beaver defeating Quaker Valley 48-9 after seven different Bobcats scoring touchdowns. Other games, Avonworth defeats Seton LaSalle 48-7. Nate Harper throws for 143 and had two Touchdowns in the air, one on the ground, as the Lopes get an easy win. But the game with more at stake, West Mifflin taking on Hopewell, and the Titans with a huge ground game performance runs all over Hopewell, 50-15. to Three Titans had over 100 yards rushing. Delron White had 170. Shy Newby, the quarterback, ran for 135. He also threw for 109, and Rich Fix ran for 126. Out of the Interstate Conference, Mount Pleasant shuts out South Allegheny 42-0. As we talked a few times on this season, Robbie Labuda, one of the most dynamic backs in the WPIAL. The story of this one, though, was Jackson Hutter. He had back-to-back 100-yard rushing games on Friday, rushing for 136 on just six carries as the Vikings get the shutout win. Elizabeth Ford blows out Greensburg-Salem 62-13, and the passing game continues to be on a roll for the Warriors as Zion White threw for 255. Favorite target, Zach Boyd, six catches for 233. Boyd is going down as having perhaps the best receiving season in Elizabeth Ford history. Diego Maywood also running for 138 yards 
and two touchdowns. And then in the, our game of the week, Bell Vernon blanks Southmoreland 48 to nothing. The Leopards, seven drives, seven touchdowns. And quarterback Braden Locks throws for 113 on just five completions, including a 53-yard bubble screen as Bell Vernon, again, establishing dominance over the Scotties and over the rest of the Interstate Conference with a huge matchup looming this coming week. In the Allegheny Sixth Conference, Freeport beats up on Valley 62-19. East Allegheny with a 31-21 close win over Knock. And then in our game of the week, Shady South Academy smothers Deer Lakes 20 to nothing. The Bulldog defense held the Lancers to under 50 total yards of offense. Uh, for Shady Side, Joey Bellinati ran for two touchdowns. Max Wicklin throws for 118. Now moving to Class 4A, and this has the most games with the playoff implications. We'll first start in the Parkway Conference. Um, Aliquippa massacres Chartiers Valley 61 to 7, a game in which James Franklin was watching from his helicopter, and well, he watched a uh, a rough one. Um, Aliquippa had 440 total yards of offense by halftime. Char Valley had negative total yards for the game, uh, including minus 44 yards rushing. And get this. It's the fourth time that Aliquippa's defense has held an opponent to negative rushing yards. For the season, Aliquippa has given up just 51 rushing yards total, which is just insane. Ambridge also defeated Newcastle 42-20. Montour with a big win over Blackhawk 27-7. That locks Blackhawk in for a fifth-place spot in the parkway. Now, this game was a lot closer than the score would say. Um, Montour's Jake Wolf threw for 229 yards, but his favorite target had a coming-out party. Dan Batch, five catches, three scores, and over 150 yards receiving. By far career highs for Batch, the sophomore, and Montour with the win over Blackhawk. In our game of the week, Central Valley annihilates West Allegheny 55-7, to and... Central Valley has, even though they're undefeated, they're probably the quietest undefeated team, at least until this past week. Um, Central Valley, to say they made a statement would be an understatement. They had back-to-back defensive touchdowns in the first quarter, already up 14-0. This included a pick six by Jackson Tanya. And then on the next offensive play, forced a fumble and was scooped up and taken back for a scoop and score. And by that point, the game, was, it was pretty much over at that point. Jackson Tanya was the best player on that field on Friday. Um, and he doesn't get talked about nearly as much. He doesn't have the size as some of these other linemen around the WPIL or even in Class 4A. But Tanya is a difference maker. And to me, at least right now, he might be your defensive player of the year in Class 4A. Um, but offensively... Without a doubt, my offensive player of the year, Brett Fitzsimmons, scores three touchdowns, rushes for over 100 yards. He's gone over 100 yards rushing now in all nine games Central Valley has had and had his sixth three-touchdown performance of the season as Central Valley gets the big win over West Allegheny. And uh, the Warriors, it starts off uh, a two-game stretch in which they faced West Day, and now this week, of course, it's quip week. That's all that needs to be said. 
In the greater Allegheny, North Catholic shuts out Indiana, eliminating the Little Indians from the playoffs 41 to nothing. The North Catholic defense forces six Indiana turnovers, and Jason Sickett throws for 148 yards. The other games in the Greater Allegheny Conference, not nearly the defensive showing that North Catholic had. Hampton defeats Mars 49-42 uh, in a game that had a total of 864 total yards of offense combined. And the game itself had seven lead changes. It's the second highest scoring game in Hampton history and the highest scoring game in Mars history. Uh, Hampton, the aerial assault was really on point uh, for a Talbot team that accumulated 528 total yards of offense. Joey Mayer threw for 354 yards and four touchdowns, and he also ran for the winning score. His favorite target was Benny Hasselrig, seven catches for 225 and three touchdowns. Mayer's 354 is second most passing yards in a game only behind Bob Bartley of the WPIL first round in 2006. He threw for 371 in a win over Keystone Oaks. Benny Hasselrig also second in receiving yards in a game in Hampton history. In that same game against Keystone Oaks, Joe Cangilla had 252 receiving yards on 12 receptions. And then we get to the Greater Allegheny Conference Championship game. It's Armstrong defeating Highlands 56 to 35 and uh well it was an aerial assault in a game that much like the previous game had a lot of yards this one a combined 971 total yards of offense it's the highest scoring game in armstrong history uh kaden olsen he throws for a program record 431 yards and five touchdowns olsen is now the 10th leading passer in wpil history uh, after Friday, he surpasses 7,000 yards and also moves past Adam DeMichael of Stowe Rocks and Dylan Beekle of Montour. And I don't know what's more impressive, the fact that he had five touchdowns on four incompletions or that he had three Armstrong receivers go over 100 yards receiving. Isaiah Brown, six catches for 157. Ian Olsen, five catches for 147. And Kyan Klein, five catches for 127. And also, too, on the other side, Chandler Timmons, he became the AK Valley's all-time leading passer, throwing for 171 yards in the loss to Armstrong, which surpasses a mark that was only set a few years ago. And then in the Big 7 Conference, not nearly as competitive as the Greater Allegheny was, Lowell Highlands defeats Ringgold 41-14 after Rodney Gallagher accounts for four touchdowns, three rushing, one passing. He threw for 114, ran for 95, and defensively, Hunter Couser had three interceptions for the Mustangs. Thomas Jefferson shuts out Collinsville 58 to nothing, and it was easily the best defensive performance TJ has put up all season. Nine sacks for the game. Wisconsin recruit Jordan Mayer had three of them as Thomas Jefferson eliminates Connellsville. And offensively, Brody Evans... Perfect 8-for-8 passing, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. McKeesport goes on the road and thumps Latrobe, or Latrobe, depending on where you're from. 54-14, to Bobby Boyd runs for 187 and two touchdowns as the Tigers pile up 480 total yards of offense. 
Now going to Class 5A in the Northeast Conference, our game of the week had Pine Richland win a good one over Woodland Hills 35-21. We talked about how Ryan Palmieri has been the savior for the Rams this season. However, it was Ethan Pilar who had the best game. Three touchdowns, 149 yards rushing. Palmieri also had a good game, 126 yards rushing and two touchdowns as Pine Richland ran away with the game in the second half. Scoring 21 or outscoring Woodland Hills by 21 points in the second half, and uh, the Rams rushing for 226 yards in the second half against Woodland Hills. Penn Hills also gets the win over Shaler 37 7. It eliminates the Titans from playoff contention. In the Big East Conference, Gateway secures a playoff spot for sure with a 42 10 win over Norwin. Brad Burst throws for 294 yards. His favorite target was Chris Livesay, who caught four passes for 152 yards. And then Hempfield in the game of the week um, gets eliminated by Plum, 34-21, as Eric Moore for the Mustangs ran for two touchdowns and also scored on a kickoff return. Hempfield, after starting 5-0, that dream start to the season, it has turned into a nightmare and... Hemfield can only wake up from that nightmare at the end of this week after the season ends um, with without a playoff berth. And then in the Allegheny 6, firstly, Upper St. Clair takes care of Moon 43-6. And in the game in which I was the announcer for, Bethel Park defeats South Fayette 28-9. Now, uh, Austin Kai was not available for Bethel Park, but it was no issue. You wouldn't have even thought about it as Gavin Mull and Ryan Petrus both rushed for over 100 yards. I had Mull at 138, Petrus at 121. And Bethel Park, the difference here, not only the ground game, but the time of possession, which goes hand-in-hand with that smothering ground game. Bethel Park ran 60 plays in the game. South Fayette only ran 37. And uh, that was a huge difference. Keeping that South Fayette offense off the field, the defense for South Fayette got very tired going up against the bruiser in Gavin Bull and the speedster in Ryan Petrus. And Bethel Park just ran all over South Fayette, especially in the second half. For that 28-9 win, secures a playoff berth. And if Bethel Park defeats Peters Township this week, it's the number one seed in the Allegheny Six. Our 6A game of the week, the only conference game, Central Catholic, despite all of the uh, rumblings that the season was going way off the rails, well, the Vikings are in the playoffs, defeating Seneca Valley 28-25, and the Raiders now fighting for their playoff lives this week. Now, this was a quarterback duel between Peyton Wayner and Graham Hancocks. Both quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards, Wayner wins that battle just barely as he threw for 309 yards. Graham Hancock's 306 yards passing. As far as I know, this is the program record for most passing yards in a game for Central Catholic, that being Peyton Wayner. The original high that I had was 298 yards in the state quarterfinals in 2007. That was set by Tino Sinceri. Now, this was a game that James Franklin also made a stop at uh, following the Char valley Aliquippa game, and he was checking out Peter Gonzalez. He did not disappoint. Seven catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns um, as Central Catholic gets the win. But another big difference, too, that doesn't get talked about nearly as much, special teams. 
Seneca Valley's special teams were not good, to say the least. Um, three extra points missed. They also missed two field goals and then went for two, and that pass was intercepted on a two-point conversion. If special teams pulls its weight, if Seneca Valley makes those two field goals, we're looking at a Seneca Valley win. Um, so that was a huge, huge difference for Central Catholic in a positive way um, as PCC clinches a playoff berth. Now looking at our teams of the week around the WPIAL. First up, we'll look at our Class 1A Team of the Week. Our 1A Team of the Week is Bishop Canavan, who remains the number one team in Class 1A after shutting out Our Lady of the Sacred Heart 40 to nothing, And uh, started out the season a bit slow, but as I mentioned, has really amped things up in, re- in the last five games. Have outscored opponents 252-13. to 13 since week four and that that gap only got bigger with the 40 nothing win over our lady of the sacred heart in the wpil championship rematch our 2a team of the week keystone oaks i think this one's pretty obvious although you could make an argument for apollo ridge and mohawk after their victories over sarah catholic and nishanic respectively but keystone oaks jumped in my opinion the highest in the WPIL rankings, Keystone Oaks is on a four-game winning streak after losing to Still Rocks 52-0. Um, back-to-back shutouts, and then the big, the close win over McGuffey last week defeating Wash High 35-21. Keystone Oaks is now second and going to be second at the Century Conference. Um, and I'm sure that not a lot of people had the Golden Eagles this high up in the rankings this season, at least in the preseason and the Golden Eagles almost certainly will get a home playoff game. Our 3A team of the week is Freeport, who is the Alley 86 Conference champion, and they had a season-high 62 points in the 62-19 win over Valley. Um, Freeport this year, led by four-year starter Ben Lane, and uh, as Whippeal Sportsman said on his Twitter, when Ben Lane gets in the open, you can pretty much count it as six. As uh, Freeport, they're on a roll, and they will win the Allegheny Six Conference regardless of what happens this week, even if Freeport were to somehow lose to Deer Lakes. Class 4A Team of the Week is Central Valley, and for the first time this season, and I'll go into this on Friday, Central Valley, in my opinion, has leapfrogged Aliquippa in the Class 4A rankings I have Central Valley for the first time this season ahead of Aliquippa. And uh, how can you not have Central Valley ranked very high up? They have looked uber impressive this season. And I was talking, too, with Adam Bianucci uh, on on Facebook. He's been a fan of the show ever since we started. Um, He told me, and I couldn't believe this, West Allegheny was the only team to score a touchdown against Central Valley's first team, which is, to me, like, I hate using this word, but it's unbelievable. I mean, when you when you look at things, 22 to Avonworth, 20 to Trinity, both in garbage time, 9 to Hampton, gave up a field goal, but it's still not a touchdown. They scored the touchdown, uh, I believe, in the final minute of play in the fourth quarter. By that time, the game was already in hand. 13 to Char Valley, special teams blunder in the last play of the game against like the seventh string defense. Seven points to Ambridge, which again, 
against a backup defense. So the West Allegheny touchdown, the first score given up by Central Valley's first-team defense. Um, we talk about how good Aliquippa's defense is, but their first string has given up some touchdowns. Central Valley has only given up one on the first string defense. And uh, that game against Aliquippa this week, grab your popcorn because it's going to be a good one. Our 5A team of the week is Franklin Regional. Now, I did not talk about them in the um, in the recaps because they played out of conference against North Hills. But Franklin Regional is the conference champion, and the Panthers have jumped up the highest in Class 5A. Might even be in my top five in Class 5A, but we'll wait and see on Friday where they rank if they do. And our 6A team of the week is Central Catholic after clinching a playoff berth against Seneca Valley, getting the season back on track, and uh, PCC will be in the playoffs. Where they will be is yet to be determined, but uh, Central Catholic, things are somewhat back to normal for Central Catholic. Now it's just got to get into the playoffs um, and take it one game at a time. Now, finally, our Players of the Week. Uh, Firstly, starting in Class 1A, it comes out of the Tri-County South, and we actually have two players from the same team. It's Carmichael's, Alec Anderson and Tyler Richmond. Um, They're my co-Class 1A Players of the Week, and here's why. Alec Anderson threw for 356 yards. Tyler Richmond caught seven passes for 278 yards. Both of those are school records. Um... Rarely do you see one school record fall in a game individually, but to see two, I mean, that's 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 something special for sure. I mentioned it earlier, Nick Kersey from Apollo Ridge is my Class 2A Player of the Week. Led the WPIL in rushing 338 yards as Apollo Ridge um, defeats Sarah Catholic in overtime, 43-36 Kersey was almost single-handedly responsible for that upset win as he scores five touchdowns. Class 3A, the player of the week is Zach Boyd. The receiver from Elizabeth Ford has had an outstanding senior campaign. Six catches, 233 yards as EF rolls over Greensburg-Salem, 62-13. Class 4A player of the week is Caden Olson from Armstrong. Throws for a school record 431 yards, surpasses 7,000 career passing yards, and Armstrong wins the Greater Allegheny with a win over Highlands 56-35. Class 5A Player of the Week is Amir Key from Penn Hills. The Indians get a big rushing performance from Key. I guess you can say a key rushing performance. Amir Key runs for 201 yards as Penn Hills obliterates Shaler 37-7. Eliminates the Titans from the playoffs. Penn Hills currently in a three-way tie for first out of the Northeast Conference. 6A Player of the Week is Peyton Wayner from Central Catholic. Throws for 309 yards as Central Catholic gets the big win over Seneca Valley, 28-25. But that'll do it for this Week 8 recap edition of the Whippy Whip Around. And playoff spots still up for grabs in Week 9. We'll take a look at all of the games that will decide either playoff spots or playoff positioning on the Week 9 preview edition of the Whip You Whip Around. Thank you so much for joining me on Pittsburgh Sports Now. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross2EYE. 
And again, follow Pittsburgh Sports Now on Twitter at PGH Sports Now. I'm Brendan Rossi, and I'll see you next time.